you know, the amazing piece of all of this is if you really think about it, you know, being a small church, um, we're able to impact so many families. Um, I always tell the board and tell the team that if there's one ministry that will outlast any other ministry here at church is, is the food pantry. Like even if we have to bump Sunday mornings and keep the food pantry, we will do that because at the end of the day, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And there's so much need around us. And I told this to the, I said this to the Spanish crowd. A lot of people, we tend not to be excited when someone else is being blessed because we don't know what it is to lack, right? But if one of us were one of those 5,000 families, we'll be jumping off the walls. But our food is secure, so we don't comprehend the magnitude of what we're doing. Does that make sense to you? Like you don't know how to pray for healing until you've been sick, right? <laughs> you don't know how to pray for a job until you've been jobless. So imagine 5,000 families that have been blessed because this place is here. Think about that. And we give them food not for one night. We give them food for a week. So there are people that are depending on this place being here to eat. If that doesn't bring joy to your heart, my message won't. <laughs> I will fall short because we are blessed to be a blessing. That's why the Lord blessed. And if you did the math like I did, that's $55 that you will eat that. I mean, it's getting to the point that you'll spend that at McDonald's if you're a family of five like us. On one sit down, it's like, and I'll go to Olive Garden and eat unlimited bread. And if I'm paying $12 for a meal at McDonald's, come on now. Anyhow, that's, you know, that's not the message. But what I'm saying is, um, it's really in the grand scheme of what you spend, it's truly insignificant. Like she broke it down to like $1.25 a week, $5 a month. You spend more than that in Colada or uh, what is that? The, the fancy people do Starbucks. I love my Starbucks. <laughs> so just partner up with us, man. And, and, and it's, it's really not about us. It's more about them. So, you know, the faces, man, we had that... Um, food pantry appreciation dinner and the faces of the people so we try to be hands off the ministry because we believe that the leaders are empowered to do it right and but when they saw us there were people that were like you know they were hugging us kissing us they were like thank you pastor and I'm like okay well nice to meet you um because they were like because of you we eat and I'm like oh no don't put it on it's not because of me it's because of the church and the team but they were so grateful that we make it a priority. We can do so many other things. And I'm not, there's things here in the church we can do and pay and buy. And, but the real ministry of Jesus is thinking about those that don't have it. So in 2020, we're going for more. Um, one part that we always get, uh, you know, it's always a prayer for us, a bigger pay, uh, space, but they also want us to be original, uh, regional distributor, right? So instead of only people coming, they want us to be a place where other um, companies come, other churches to come. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't have the space. But we're praying for a space. And, you know, we're believing God for more. So uh, let's give a hand to the food pantry team. Come on. Um, and I am I'm blessed this morning. That makes it all worth it.
You know, Sunday morning, I love to worship. I love to jump around. I love to receive the word. But when people are getting blessed by us, I mean, you can't beat that, man. Um, and God calls us to be generous. So generosity is a priority here at New Vision. We, we're generous with our giving, but we are generous with each other. We're generous with the community. And if the Lord calls, us to calls you to bless somebody, don't think about it. Don't think about, oh, they might have more than me. Listen, we are, and I shared this with the Spanish crowd. We are, my wife and I and, and our family, we are experiencing the Lord opening doors for us in, in ways that we're not even asking for. And it's just purely out of generosity. Like, people are blessing us out of the, out of, out of places that we weren't even thinking of. Just because we decided in our family we're going to be generous. We're going to be generous to the church. We're going to be generous to people. We're going to be generous to those that don't have. And I believe that that's available for you as well. Amen? Amen. So let me pray really quick. We've said a lot. But I have a, a word. It's, I, I promise you not to hold you long. But I believe this is something that we need uh, today. So let's pray. Lord, we honor you. We are so grateful for you. Um, we just play a small part in, in the bigger picture of of the kingdom, a bigger picture of the big C church, not the little C church. You know, we we just want to be hands and feet, and we want people to know you through us. So, Father, as the at the same time that we pass, you know, give them a box of food, we we want to give them your blessing. We want to pray for them. We want to stand in the gap for them. So, Lord, now I just uh, ask you to give us ears to hear what you have for your people. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Your people say, amen. So, let me get this going here. So, 2019, guys, I was sharing with someone yesterday, and I was telling them that if 20 or 25 years ago, you were to say the year 2020, right? Like, for those of us that are a little older, like... <laughs> Like in 1996, 97, I would have told you, yeah, because in year 2020, still sounds like weird. I don't know about you, but I thought that cars would be flying by this time. You know, if you watched uh, the Jetsons growing up, you would think that that's how 2020 would look like, right? And we're so far from it, right? Everything is like the same. Um, and, and 2020... If, if you think about 2019 and we think about this year, I know like towards the end of the year, a lot of people like to make statements, declarations, and things, resolutions, things they're going to live by. Uh, everybody signs up for uh, LA Fitness or 24-hour fitness on the, on the second. Next thing you know, it's May and you've paid a monthly membership and you haven't been there twice. Uh, but as I was thinking about 2019, uh, Marianne and I, we write out our, our series before the end of the year, most of them. And I was like, Lord, I'm dry. I think, I've, I, think I gave it all in 2019. We've had some amazing uh, series during 2019, things that stuck with us. And I was like, Lord, we're done with Beautiful Christmas. It was only a three-part series, but we have one more Sunday to go. So speak that your servant is listening. And um, the Lord just gave me two verses, and I think that these two verses uh, encapsulate what, what 2019 was. 
And I think that it was not only something that it applies to me, but I believe that it applies to many of us in the room. And it's out of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to re read verses 8 and 9. And this is Apost the Apostle Paul, and he is speaking to the church of Corinthians, and he says this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair or not desperate. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not, we are not destroyed. And I, and I want to believe that for many of us in this room, 2019 was not was not our best year. And if you were to be honest with yourself and you look at your list, there are many things on your list that went unchecked and many things that are on your list that were not on your list. And if you truly look back at the year, you would see that there are more defeats than victories. Because in the Christian walk, the reality is that there are more bad days than good days. There are more valleys than mountaintops. That's the reason why we need a Savior. That's the reason why we need the Holy Spirit because it's not always going to feel good. Am I speaking to someone today? See, one of the things with maturity in Christ is when you come to understand that the Christian walk is not about feelings. It's not about how I feel. It's not about if I'm getting goosebumps when we're singing or if I'm crying or if I got that new job because sometimes the breakthrough is not around the corner. Sometimes people are going to die. Sometimes God is not going to heal. Sometimes we're going to lose our jobs. Sometimes the marriage is going to fall apart. Sometimes sickness is going to hit your door. See, I always, and I will live by this principle, the Christian walk is all about how you respond in times of adversity. That's the definition of a Christian walk. Not can you stand in the sun, but can you stand in the rain? Can you stand when everyone else walks away? Can you keep doing it when you don't feel like doing it? Can you lift your hands and worship when everything inside of you doesn't want to worship. That's tough. But you know what? That's real talk. Because the truth of the matter is that life gets hard. The enemy, you have unsolicited visits. You have things that show up at your doorstep that you didn't cause yourself. Sickness hits your door. The loss of employment hits your door. Some drunk driver hits you. It was not your fault. It's, it's that we're living in a fallen world where sins abides. I said last Sunday or a couple of Sundays ago, I was speaking about seasons of Job. Can you say to the Lord, even if you kill me, I will still worship you? See, and I think that one of the main issues with Christianity today is that people can't stand in the rain that people are being preached a message that everything is going to be, you know, roses and, 
and people forget about the cross. Jesus told his disciples, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. Now, I, 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 didn't, I didn't come to preach a, a pessimistic message. I, I came to preach a message of dependence, meaning that we can't do this alone. We're going to be in the valley, but we don't have to go through the valley alone. Life is going to suck at times, but we don't have to go through it alone. Sickness is going to hit your door, but we have, we have a Jehovah that's a healer. See, the message of hope, it's knowing that things are going to happen, but knowing that you know where to go to when things happen. That's the difference. That's the message of hope. And like this verse says, we're going to be pressed on every side. And my next slide says, pressure will not defeat us. Turn to the person next to you and, say, and tell them, pressure will not defeat us. Tell them, pressure, like you believe it, pressure, pressure dash, will not defeat us. And I don't know, like for those that are unholy and get on roller coasters, that's not of the Lord. The Lord doesn't want me to go through all those kind of emotions. The Bible says that he placed my feet on the ground. Come on now. I'm preaching. So for those that get on roller coasters that need salvation, when you guys are up there, right, and the wind is hitting you and you feel this pressure, listen, this week we went to Bush Gardens. And <laughs> I don't know how do you pay to get, to get scared. That's a word right there. I don't know how you pay to get intimidated. So there's this drop, right? How many of you have done that drop in Bush Gardens that they take you all the way to the top, then they just, just like put you upside down, and they just, well, I'll pray for you after service. Um, they, just, they just drop you. And that pressure in, or, or a better example, for those that have been to New York and, and rode those, or got on the, on the trains and, and you feel like people are just pressing you, you're walking in between. Uh, that's, that's how life feels sometimes. And you, you feel that, that the pressure is going to crush you. You know, I've always heard this statement. I don't know if you heard, have you been around church or outside of church? You've heard this. God will not give you God will not give you more than him. That's a lie. And I'll prove it to you. How many of us have felt that God has given us more than what we can take? The Bible doesn't say that. Someone said that. And everyone, oh, shout, hallelujah. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says that he will test us like gold. See, the reason God gives us more than what we can handle is because scripture says that when we are weak, he is strong. And his strength is made perfect. So if there's no weakness, there's no perfection. See, the perfection of our faith comes when we say, Lord, you know what? I can't do this. And he's like, yes. I was trying to get you to this point. Duh. You got it. Now it clicks. And I think that many of us in 2019 tried everything. I shared this with you guys. I don't remember when, but I said the most liberating day, of, the most 
liberating day of my life, the day that I felt more, most free was the day I said, Lord, I'm not going to fight with you anymore. This is not up for debate. I'm not going to go. I surrender. Here it is. I don't know if you guys remember, I, I, I filled out a, a sheet. I said contract of life. I put, I put life contract on the top. And I just put my signature down there, and I just said yes. And I left that empty. And I said, whatever it is, Lord, yes. I didn't put any clauses in the contract. It's like whatever you want to add, because we all know here that God is going to throw us some curveballs along the way. And we're going to look at our life, and we're going to say, Lord, in my case, I'm turning 40 next year. I should be, I should be here, and I'm not. But such and such has this and I don't. Look at their beautiful marriage and look how well behaved their children are. See, because this is, that's what happens when we're pressed. Some press, some of the pressing is self-induced. I was talking to Jennifer this morning um, they're staying with us for the holidays and I was talking to her this morning and I was telling her that most of the pressing that we do via social media is things that we're putting on ourselves because we're starting to believe people's highlight reel and we're believing that's the reality so now you're looking at your spouse and you're thinking you don't love me like they love them and you're starting to believe that that's true when that's not true and trust me, I'm a pastor. I speak to people all the time. When you see all that, you best believe that the devil is going on inside that house. When you see the best boyfriend or the best husband in the world post, I get that call that night. And we're getting pressured. We're, 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 we're self-inducing that pressure that we're, we're seeing a standard that the world is showing. We're seeing, oh, I, I should have kids by now. I should be married. I, I, I should own a business. I, I should own a home. And you're, pulling, you're putting on pressure that the Lord is not putting you because it's not your race. See, you got to wake up every morning and say, this is my assignment. I am exactly where the Lord wants me to be in the time that he wants me to be. And I'm not following anybody. I'm not running after anything. I'm not trying to impress. I don't need validation because this is not a parking lot. I don't need to be validated. But you need to make a decision in your life and say, pressure will not defeat us. And I know that more than any other time that I can recall, people are dealing with anxiety. More than ever. Like, I don't know if I'm missing something, but growing up and a few years ago, I don't recall this epidemic of anxiety. And there's more anxiety in the church than outside of the church. And that to me is a contradiction. Scripture says, do not be anxious for anything, and yet the body is anxious. And we're anxious for things, and everybody's striving, everybody's hustling, and everybody, I'm going to get mine. And the Lord is like, you let me know when you're done. <laughs> you let me know when you're done, try to get it and striving, I'll be, I'll be at the end of the curve. Just waiting on you, my legs crossed. You done? 
Is you done or is you finished? Pressure will not defeat us. Next slide. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Confusion will not discourage us. And I think that in the times of my life in which I've been confused, I've been discouraged. See, confusion brings a sense that you're lost and you start to believe the lies of the enemy and you start to think, well, if I don't even have it together by now, how can I get over there? Or I should have been done with that. I should have been over that by now. And so you know what? I'm not even going to try anymore. Some of us have callings that are dormant because someone got in our ear and started to tell you about yourself or about your church or about your pastors. And today you're confused that you don't even know how to get back. I know I'm speaking to somebody today. Because confusion starts to discourage you. Now you start to believe, well, I, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be doing this. And you're doing a lot and you're doing nothing at the same time. Don't you feel like that? That you're like, man, my list is full, but yet I'm not productive. I have a lot going on, but I'm not moving forward. I think we need to reprioritize the things on our list. What are you striving for? Why are you confused? Why are you discouraged? Because confusion, confusion will not discourage us. Tell your neighbor, confusion will not discourage us. Say it again. Confusion will not discourage us because even when we are confused, Jesus is not confused. And I think that, and I was sharing with someone, I was saying prayer is not our last resort. And I think sometimes we treat it like that. And I hear people say all the time, okay, I guess we'll pray. I guess we'll pray. Prayer is your opening act. Prayer is the first thing that we do. So in any situation, the first thing is that, oh, let's pray, and then we do everything else. Let's pray, and then we consult with other people. Let's pray, and let's hear what the Lord is saying, and then we go to someone else for advice. People are confused because we have the wrong people that have access to our ear. One of the things I've done over the last two years, especially in last year, it's cost me tears. It's cost me slander. But I've reduced the amount of people that have access to my ear in an exponential way. Because when a lot of people have access to your, your ear, you get confused. When a lot of people have access to this right here, when you have a lot of voices, especially the wrong ones, and you know in your heart they're the wrong ones, but they're cool, and you want to keep them around because they make you laugh or you, whatever, that brings confusion because you're wired to do something for the Lord, but you have these voices that are... See, the enemy doesn't have the power to destroy you. The enemy can only... The only thing the enemy can do is distract you. See, when you're distracted, you get nothing done. See, when you're distracted... You look at your marriage and you look somewhere else and be like, oh, this is not good enough.
See, when you are distracted, you look at your life and be like, man, I'm falling behind. But when you, when you are, when you are centered, when you have a purpose, when you know who you are in Christ, when you're going somewhere, you tell distraction, I'm sorry, I love you, I have love for you, but you got to get out of my lane because I'm going somewhere. You got to get out of my ear because I'm going, and I had to do that. And it hurt with many relationships. And I'm like, listen, I'm going that way. So if you're not going that way, please get off my car. And I, and I know that many of us struggle with this because we don't like conflict. And we struggle with conflict resolution. But I put it on the Lord. See, this is what the Lord is telling me. You can do whatever you want with that. The Lord is leading me in a different direction. You can, I'm going I'm to leave this in your lap. You can do whatever you want with that. You fight, you got to fight with the Lord. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Confusion. Confusion will not distract us. Next slide. Opposition will not deter us. And I, I think that many times what happens in our Christian walk is that when we feel opposition, we feel the Lord is not in it. Right? Like, if the Lord is in it, it should be smooth sailing. No. Jesus was the Son of God, and he didn't have smooth sailing in his ministry. Which is my next slide. It says that, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition. What does that mean, pastors? That sounds good, but what does that mean? Every new level brings a new devil. See, when you start moving in the kingdom of God, you're going to start facing things you didn't face when you were dormant. I'll say it to this crowd. This crowd in time responded. When you were doing nothing for the Lord, the devil didn't care about you. But once you start and you make a decision in your heart, I'm going to serve. I'm going to love my wife. We're going to make this marriage work. See, the, the devil doesn't like that. So in that door of opportunity, opposition is going to come. So opposition is not, it, it, it shouldn't hint that the Lord is not in it. Actually, opposition tends to tell us that God is going to do something great. And like I said, the devil is not happy when you decide that you're going to live a life for the Lord. When you say, you know what, I'm going to serve in my local body. You know what, my marriage, our house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to make it a priority to be, on church, to be at church on Sundays. You think the devil is happy with that? Now you become, you become a target because you become a threat to his kingdom. Am I speaking to somebody today? So when you feel opposition, when you have an opportunity, you got to trust the Lord with it. You got to trust the Lord with it. Next slide. And Paul... Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, and he understood this concept very well. And he says in 1 Corinthians 16:9, and I love the English Standard Version, it says, for a wide door, everyone say wide door. Wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When you decide to work for the kingdom, opposition is going to come from everywhere, especially your adversaries. They're going to start pointing out things that, they didn't speak about when you were doing nothing. But all of a sudden, you want to serve. All of a sudden, you want to live differently. They want to remind you of your old you. 
they want to remind you of the things that don't qualify you for the for the role or for the position Paul knew this Paul understood this he says there is a wide door but because there is a wide door I have many adversaries see the calling of God over your life is so great that the moment that you decide to walk in, in through that people that you didn't know were against you are going to pop up and you're like you I thought you were in my corner Again, I'm going to go to this crowd because this crowd seems like they're mad at me. When you decide to walk through that door, those that you thought were in your corner, all of a sudden start coming against you. You were like, ain't you happy that I'm doing something for the Lord? Ain't you happy that I'm moving on? Ain't you happy that I'm growing? Ain't you happy that I'm being blessed? My dad always says this, and I find this so hard to believe, but man, with humanity. It says people want to see you blessed. They just don't want to see you more blessed than them. People want to see you strive just and, and succeed and thrive, but not more than them. So every door, like I say, every new level brings a new devil the things that you couldn't imagine that you were going to be faced with all of a sudden just think about this life was different when you were at home life was more more simple when we, you were under someone else's covering what happened when you accessed that new level for those married folks in the room what happened when you went from single to married? Mm. Opposition. Voices started lifting up against you. Because every new level brings a new devil. See, every type of advancement in the kingdom, it's a threat to the enemy. And I think that in order for us to thrive and understand that the, what the Lord is going to do in our lives, we need to know this. Imagine this. Imagine that the president tells you, Hey, listen, you can launch whatever business you want. I'll back you up financially. Every law will be good for you to start your own business. You won't have to file any paperwork. I got you. How confident will you feel in opening up a business? So, knowing that God is fighting for us, knowing that he is backing us. Why are we slaves of fear? See, fear is a paralyzing thing that until we shake it off, we can't walk into the fullness of what God has. I believe that for us, for many of us in 2020, God is going to move you into different circles, circles of influence, that you're going to need to be bold in order to speak onto those circles to use that influence for the kingdom of God. Some doors that are going to be opening wide, it's going to come with some adversaries, but you're going to need to stand strong in the word that the Lord gave you and believe that open door is for you and for your family. Like I shared earlier today, and I, I shared earlier during the message, a lot of strange things have been happening to Marianne and I lately. Strange in a good way, not strange in a bad way. 
so strange that we've, we've added a hashtag. We call it grace and favor. The Lord is, the Lord has found favor. And he's doing things that we're not even asking him to do. And I believe that a word that I received a couple of years ago, it's, it's coming forward now. That God is moving on into circles that we have no business being in. At least naturally. We were in the room a few weeks ago with, a, with people in authority in the Free Methodist Church, superintendents and bishops. We were the only non-white person in the room. And they were asking us, how should we do this? They asked us to speak. They asked us to speak to bishops and superintendents. God has moved us in circles that we have no business being in. We weren't praying for a job and the bishop calls Mariana and said, I got, she said, she said, I got your name and I want you to work for me. Mariana's like, but I got a job. No, no. I'm telling you, I want you to work for me. She lives in Michigan. Marianne gets to work from home. My company, the one, not my company, I wish. The company I work for closed down. We got bought out. I was one of the last employees to come in the company. I'm the only employee that the company has here. The company is based out of Dallas, so my boss is in Dallas. We speak over the phone. He trusts me. He trusts I'm doing what I need to do. There's an office there that's empty I can go to, or I can do it from my house. And I'm like, I didn't even ask for this. I was ready to quit. Actually, they told us we had 60 days, and I needed to get out. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't. There were people there with 10, 12, 15 years in that job. And they said, William, we want you to stay on. My, bo my boss, in one on one occasion, he said, I don't know what it is, but I want you to stay on. And I'm, I'm like, I know what it is. <laughs> it's, not my, it's not that I'm smart. It's not that I'm into uh, No. Nah. It's the grace and favor of God. And, and I believe, and I'm sharing this as a testimony because I believe it's available for us. 2019 as a church, we saw a lot of people walk away. But let me tell you something. In the past five years, this has been our best financial year yet. And I was speaking to Demarion, to the board, Demarion that leads our finances. I was like, only the Lord can do this. The number of people don't add up. The numbers of the, that we deposit don't add up. And we've been able to do things we hadn't done in several years in the church. We have long ways to go. But as the time that we've been pastors, with less people, <laughs> with less people, this has been our best financial year yet. <laughs> That's grace and favor. That's grace and favor. Next slide, and I get out of your way. 
Jesus closes out the book of Matthew telling this to his disciples. He says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples for all nations, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. And I live by this verse 20. I am with you always. So as you evaluate 2019, and if you're honest, it was tough. If you agree with that, lift your hand. If you don't, I want you to pray for me because I need some of your favor, more favor than I already have. 2019 was tough. 2019, some of us lost people. 2019, some of us lost security. Some of us lost jobs. Some of us lost marriages. Some of us lost friendships. Some of us lost our passion and our zeal for Christ. For some of us, we wish we can just jump from 2018 to 2020. And let's just call it, let's just scratch it off. It never existed. That's the truth. On the other hand, we were pressed. Put that verse back. We were pressed, but we were not crushed. We were persecuted. I'm sorry, we were perplexed, but not desperate. Some of us were persecuted. Some false, false rumors. But we were not abandoned. We were struck down. And when I mean struck down, some of us were knocked down. Some of us tasted, tasted defeat. The sense of defeat is such a... You know what happens in defeat? Everybody, everybody, everybody leaves. You're, you're, you're not going to need friends for the mountaintops. You're going to need friends for the valleys. When you're at the top, everyone is going to come. You're not, you don't even need to invite them. But when you're struggling and things suck... That's the worst feeling in the world. When something that was at your fingertips that you've thought you had and you thought you had that locked in and, and finally doesn't happen. The truth is that we made it to the end, but there's scars. For some of us, there's still open wounds. And we can, we can stand here and, and hoorah about, you know, I'm coming in strong. And, but the truth of the matter is that some of us don't even have the strength to say that. See, there's a book in Scripture called Lamentations. And if there's a book in Scripture, it's because the Lord knew 
that there are times that we need to lament. And lament means is, God, this sucks. Jeremiah wrote the book of lament, and he, he spent an entire book just lamenting. There are great victories in Scripture, don't get me wrong, but there are times that, that it just, it's bad. And like I said, I didn't come here to preach you a message that's going to bring you down or a pessimistic message, no. I came here to acknowledge your pain. I came here to tell you I know exactly what it feels like. I know what it feels like to have people walk away that you were trusting in. I know what it feels like the people that you help the most talk about you the most. I know exactly what it feels like. I know what it feels like but people that look for you in private and won't acknowledge you publicly. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like of people that you're privately their pastor, but publicly they don't acknowledge you. Because their alliance or allegiance to someone else doesn't allow them to acknowledge you. I know how that feels. I know how that feels. But even though we're pressed, we're not crushed. Even if we're perplexed, we're not in despair. And I'm telling you this because 2019 was such a difficult year for, for Marianne and I. We struggled. We made it to sabbatical on our knees. But we were never in despair. Because we knew that the promise of God was going to fulfill itself sooner or later. And that we don't need to fight our battles. He fights it for us. And he knows what we've done for this house. And he knows what we've done for people. And I came to a healing moment at the end of my sabbatical. In which I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't need public validation. You give me all the validation that I need. And if I'm doing this, and if we're doing this, we're doing this because we love you and because we love your people. And at the end of the day, what we want is God's best over your life. That's all we want. So this morning, if you're able to be honest, I'm just having an honest moment with you guys. To say, God, 2019 was so tough, but I'm still believing you. 2019 tore me up, but it didn't break me. 2019 took me to the edge, but I didn't fall over. If you're able to say, God, 2019 put me at the end that I felt that I wanted to give up, but I'm still standing, I'm still breathing, I'm still believing, I'm still here, and I'm still in expectation, believing in expectation what you're going to do. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. It's not for everybody, I know this. But before we move on until what's next, thank you, Mom. We need to heal what's still open. See, God can't deposit something new when something else is taking its place. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is in this room. I feel his presence moving. And I believe that it's a tangible presence available for you and me. And I think those tears are not tears of emotions. I think the Holy Spirit is truly ministering to your life right now on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And as subtle, very subtle as the music plays, I want you to have a moment of honesty with the Lord. Sometimes we just want to brush things under the rug or sweep it under the rug. And we don't fully acknowledge, hey Lord, I'm upset. I was expecting things. I'm not where I need to be. I don't have what I need to have. I feel that you failed me. Have your healing moment today. Don't walk out of this room without having that one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. 